Okay, so let's go ahead and read Acts uh, chapter 7. So, Nance, why don't you start? Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. Oh, gosh, I went way too far. It's all right. Uh, let's see where you left off. Five. Five. Yeah. Five? Yeah. Uh, and God gave you. He promised... No, up. Oh, you're down one up, up. up one more. Oh, okay. And God gave to him no inheritance in it, uh, even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession. And he descended and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. That's and, good. Okay. Great. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out to serve me in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him. On the eighth day, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. Great. Fred, can you read that? And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. <clears throat> all right. Okay. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no substance. But when Jacob heard that there were there was grain in Egypt, he sent out fathers first, and. The second time Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. To Pharaoh. All right. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money for the sons of Hamar. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so they might not live. At this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. He was brought up in his father's house for three months. 
When he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he proposed that his brother would understand that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Great. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when he was, and when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him shall you hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel, who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us. Whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. <coughs> and God gave, up, gave them up to worship in hosts of, uh, the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you not offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness? O house of Israel, you also took up the tabernacle of Boloch and the star of your god, Repan. I think that's how I say it. Yeah. Images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. 
And our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he appointed instruction, <coughs> instructing Moses to make according to the patterns that he had seen, which our fathers having received in turn also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found in favor before God, asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob, but Solomon built him a house. Okay. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? You step neck and on service side and heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit and your father did so to you. Which of these prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of the angels and have not kept it. When they heard, <coughs> when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then, then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So this is the longest sermon in the Bible. Um, and it certainly covers a lot, doesn't it? Um, and here you are, your life is on the line, and you're answering some questions, right? And so here we need to go back up to chapter 6, where Stephen is disputing and speaking, and... Um, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did not did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose among some what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, um, going on disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words 
against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. And the high priest said, Are these things so? So the context of this is this statement, this man does not speak to black, speak blasphemous words, does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say, this, is, this Jesus of Nazareth will, just, number one, destroy this place, and number two, change the customs which Moses delivered to us. Here's the two things, okay, having to do with Moses and the law that Moses gave and the temple, which David kind of like uh, was on David's heart and David's son, Solomon, built, right? So the temple where they all are, okay, is a rebuild of the temple that Solomon built after it was destroyed. So, so Stephen has a big charge on his hand, right? He has to address these two questions. He's before, you know, the, the Supreme Court. He's before the High Council. All the priests and all the important people, and they've been fed up with the Christians at this point. They've had it to hear, because the Christians are doing, number one, uh, kind of take, uh, there's a tremendous movement brewing. And number two, the Christians are telling all the authorities and the Jews that they're the ones that killed Jesus, <laughs> right? And you had Pilate kill Jesus. And, uh, and you are stiff-necked and are resisting because God has given Jesus uh, to be our savior, all right? So, so there's this huge conflict, right? And now it has come to a head. Now, what was, what was brewing before this? What kind of conflicts did, did we see before this? Who remembers, uh, you know, uh, it kind of has been building, right? Well. That the common people were going against the status quo that's already there. And they're rebuilding it as God would see them have it. Okay, so there was a tremendous movement among the Christians that found the Lord <coughs> uh, that have kind of turned up the status quo, right? They're living in common. They're giving up. The, these are Jews who are selling their possessions and giving it to other people. Okay? Just think about that. That's quite a miracle. So, so there's a tremendous thing, and it, people are noticing it. Right? So, but who's the leader of this? The leaders of this? Stephen. Well, Stephen is not the leader, right? He is a leader under the leaders, right? So there was the 12 apostles, and then um, they needed help with administration, and Stephen's one of the ones that they picked. There were seven of them, right? But among the 12 apostles, who were the ones that had the that spoke for the others. Peter, Peter and John. Yeah, Peter and John, they were sort of, you know, together. 
And among Peter and John, who was the one that did most of the talking? Peter. Peter, right? Peter. So Apostle Peter, uh, and they've had several uh, times up to this point where they've interacted with the, uh, the leadership, and we're told by the leadership, what? Stop preaching. Stop preaching the name of Jesus. Stop trying to bring his blood on our heads. Right? They were um, forcing him to keep quiet. Yeah, right. And so they told him to do that. And uh, they didn't listen. They told him to do it again and put him in jail. God broke him out of jail. And they went right back saying the same thing. And so then they beat them and kicked him out. And the disciples were like, thank God we... We're, we were, uh, you know, given the honor to suffer humiliation for his name, right? So this is kind of ramping up, and um, and then uh, now we've gotten to this point where it's not just Peter, okay, that's making all the noise. There's another person that's doing miracles. There's, there's, this is, this is getting out of hand. Okay, it's popping up everywhere. And Stephen, who was, you know, given the uh, kind of like the, the authority <coughs> they laid hands on him so that he could help administer the gifts to people, you know, like contributions and you need this, you need that. So, uh, well, what does he end up doing? He's preaching the gospel and doing miracles. Quite powerful. And when, when people try to converse with them, you know, and say, no, there's not, this Jesus isn't anything, you guys are wrong. They could not resist his wisdom. Um, so when they had a debate, Stephen won. So what do you do when you've got someone that you can't win by reason, or you can't win by, uh, the, you know, uh, popular support, or, you know, what do you do? Falsely accuse them. Yeah, you falsely accuse them. Now, that doesn't ever happen today, though, <laughs> right? Nobody never tries to unseat somebody who has power by a conspiracy or by, uh, you know, something like that. There's nothing, no, no subversion going on or no kind of, right? Yeah, I don't Now we do so. it, you know, in a second with Twitter, right? <laughs> um, but, um, and, and this is always going to be when there's power, People are going to be kind of offended. Um, and so uh, there, were, there was a special group that were really offended, and they, uh, they, they plotted to get Stephen. Now, uh, and so that, that brings us to these accusations. What were the accusations against Stephen, against this way that Stephen? In our terms today? No, what, be, what does it, it say? Be, it right? would be like causing a riot to overthrow the people in power. Right, and they're saying, okay, um, he, this man doesn't cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place. What's the holy place? Temple. The temple, right? Which is this huge structure that everybody is going to to worship God. It's the center you know, of the whole nation. And, um, and the customs of Moses. Now, this sermon that he's going to give is addressing 
those two things. And, um, and so how does he do it? He goes back to the beginning, right? He doesn't go all the way to the beginning, right? If he went all the way to the beginning, he would have said, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, right? He doesn't, right? He starts to the beginning of what? Their laws. Before that. Right, and so what does Abraham represent for the nation of Israel? The, the um, lineage, beginning lineage. Beginning of the lineage, right? So in one sense you could say before Abraham there was no... Jew, Hebrew. Right, there was no Israel, right? There was no Jew. So we have Abraham whom is a friend of God, whom God, out of the morass of the world and the confusion of the world, God in Babylon, and it's, it's, uh, the tradition is that Abraham used to make idols, right? So he was just like the rest, okay? And God calls him out of that and says, follow me. Go to where I show you, to a land I will show you. Leave your father and your country and follow me. So he takes off, takes his wife, and he follows the Lord. And, uh, and so that's what he's talking about. The glory of God appeared to our father, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia. Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And then, um, and so he, he then relates the story. So who can tell us the basic story? Let's say you're on trial and um, you have to kind of quickly, and you know, this is in one sense, you could, uh, it's a good, uh, thing to practice is like what do I say when someone says so what is you know what are you doing with this you know your your family says what is this Christianity what is it that this is all about and you're like uh, 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 right so so it's good for us to kind of know the story right and know the story from the perspective of the people we're talking to okay so later on Paul's going to give a sermon and Paul, if he's given the sermon to Gentiles, he's not going to start with Abraham. He's not going to, because they don't, even know, they don't know that story, right? He's going to start with something that they can get, right? So if you look at um, Mark, the, the, the sermon at Mark, well, we, will, we won't go there, okay? But if you look, it's a, but here, He's talking to a court, right? And he is asked to defend himself, but defend Christ and the accusations. And so in one sense, Christ is being tried here. 
And, uh, and so, in order to establish the authority of Christ to the Jews who believe in the law of Moses, what do you have to do? Go back to the beginning. So you go back to the beginning, you lead up to Moses, and you lead up further, all right? But in order to say that this is all consistent, what you're going to have to say is, Moses predicted this, told you this is going to happen. Okay? And the rest of the, and then David, and then the prophets. They've all, this is all part of God's plan. Okay? And it's all consistent. And it's also consistent that the Jewish people have been rejecting God from the beginning. Okay? They're hard-headed, stiff-necked, obstinate, rebellious um, people. They've been that way under Moses. And they were that way all along. Okay? And now, um, so let's just kind of move on. We'll go into Abraham. Um, now, so what's the, what's the important key having to do with Abraham? Um, and I'll read this. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for possession, that is the land, to his descendants after him. All right, and so um, what is it that Abraham um, is told about this promise about inheriting the land? That he would be a father of many nations. And uh, he would be a father of many nations, right? And... Um, and at that point, <coughs> Abraham had no kids. No kids, right? You're going to be a father of many nations, and you're an old man, and you don't have any kids. Um, and what's the unique thing about Abraham? He believed God. Exactly. Abraham is called the father of faith. Okay? And that's because he believed what the Lord said, even though it didn't look like it was happening. But us Christians gotta be like what was that? That's the way us Christians have to be like Exactly. You know, it, it doesn't seem like it all lines up, but God said it. I believe it. And I'm going to live like I believe it, right? And uh, and so it says Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. And so that's kind of the story. Abraham, the father of faith. And so here he is. Stephen is basically saying, "Listen, Abraham. God started this with Abraham, okay? And look at Abraham, right? And uh, and then we know that Isaac, right?" was his firstborn son when he was an old man, 99 years old, right? And, uh, and what's more amazing is that Sarah was 90 years old when she had a child. Um, 
And, uh, and what was Abraham asked to do with that son? Isaac. Sacrifice him. Sacrifice him. Right? And why did God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? Which he didn't let him do. Right? To test his faith and belief in him. To test his faith and belief in him. Absolutely. Okay? And from God's perspective, it also was an echo of what God the Father was going to do with his son Jesus. Way in the future. See? So there's the echo. Right? God called Abraham, and God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Well, where is he? Um, and it caused a problem. Abraham didn't like go straight line. It was a few deviations. Um, but eventually God gives him the son, and then God says, I want you to sacrifice him. Well, you told me you were going to give me a son, and when I'm an old man, you gave me a son. So I'm going to trust you even in this. You told me to get out of uh, uh, Babylon. I got out. You told me you were going to give me a son. You did give me a son. Now you're telling me I ought to take him up and sacrifice him to you? Uh, I don't get it, but I will. And when he did sacrifice him, his son said, Isaac said, hey, you know, um, where's the sacrifice? We're going up here to worship and have a sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? He said, well, God will provide. He'll provide for the sacrifice, right? And right before Abraham does, you know, uh, the sacrifice at lamb, instead God says, stop. You know, you were willing to do this. It touches my heart. See, God's looking for a heart thing. So... Um, now, when the Lord was speaking to Abraham, and, one, and you can go back and look, but when the Lord was having this um, kind of uh, vision, he put Abraham to sleep, and he comes in, and he has, makes a covenant with Abraham, and, and he tells him things, and he says, now listen, um, your descendants are going to end up going to Egypt for 400 years. And while they're there, they're going to be made slaves. And then I'm going to send someone who's going to deliver them. And, uh, we'll, and, and we're going to have a nation. So your descendants are going to be, go into the incubator of Egypt. And uh, a nation is going to be birthed. But it's a nation that is under oppression and slavery. Now, what was the final straw for God to come in and deliver the Israelites, the Jews, um, when they were suffering in Egypt? Passion. <coughs> huh? Passion. Well, that's what, how, that, that, that's the deliverance. But what was the thing that finally killing the firstborn killing Egypt was killing the firstborn sons goes back and echoes back Isaac firstborn son <coughs> sacrifice finally there Egypt is taking Israel's firstborn sons and telling them to you just need to leave them out in the street they're born 
You just let them sit out there and watch them die. It's like a stray cat you throw out of there. You know, you ever hear a whining little kitten that somebody threw out of their car? Um, I've, I've heard them because my mother brought them all home. Uh, all right, so um, where do we go from there? Just to go back, I looked up. Abraham was 75 when God called him out of Ur of Chaldee, and he was 100 when Isaac was born. So that was 25 years of waiting for the promise. Yeah. What have we ever waited 25 years? <laughs> 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 right. Sarah was 99. Yeah. So. So uh, 75 years old, most people already, you know, they've already retired for 10 years, okay? And how old was Moses when Moses got uh, commissioned? 80. 80 years old, right? So that gives me hope. I, you know, maybe in another 18 years, uh, God will finally call me into his service. You know? <laughs> and, uh, um, and there's a lot you can say about that, but, um, and he talks about that. Moses, you know, when he came of age, um, God called him. Um, after Moses kind of like tried to do it himself. And. Um, At 40. So exactly. he was 40 years in Midian. Think right. about 40 years in the wilderness. Exactly. 40 years in Midian. So what? So God has this this guy Moses, and and um, and it says there was something unique about Moses. And his parents saw it. He was beautiful. That was Moses' qualification. He was beautiful. And uh, and so his mother just couldn't throw him outside, so she puts him in a, in basically a basket, and puts tar around it and sits it in the Nile. And, uh, and Pharaoh's daughter sees, hears him crying and gets a hold of him and says, just like a stray cat. And Moses is crying and just says, you know what, uh, I need to take him home. So, the, so Moses is raised up as uh, a son of Pharaoh, right? He's an Egyptian. So how did Moses even know he was Jewish? That was my next question. <laughs> well, raised by his mother. His least. mother ended up being, they said, well, he's nursing baby, we need a nurse. Oh. And so. his sister was looking around the corner and says, I know a nurse, and got Moses' mother to be his nurse. Also, he was also circumcised. <coughs> That's how they knew that he was. Oh, yeah, I guess when he was there with all the other boys. Yeah, it's I've right. never yeah. thought about yeah. that. He's like, hey, what happened to you? Freak <laughs> <laughs> of nature. Yeah, right? So we have Moses um, being raised. But Moses spends 40 years as an Egyptian, learning all the arts of Egypt, okay? And he doesn't really know very much. His mother just had him when he was little, right? And so he's always wondered, this is my, these are my people, right? And so... Finally, when he kind of was 40 years old, sort of came of age, uh, he went there and tried to do something, you know, to fix things, whatever. 
and killed an Egyptian that was taking advantage of the Jews. And, um, and the next day, the Jews like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna kill me like you killed them. All right? And Moses is like, I'm found out, and he runs off to Midian, and he spends 40 years um, in, the, in the desert pushing sheep around. And um, that's Moses' preparation for delivering the Jews. And God had set him apart and took, gave him special training. Right? But by the time he's 80 years old, he probably pretty much had forgotten about his roots, you know, when he was a, a baby and his failed attempt at trying to do something about it. Um, but, but God hadn't forgotten. And so when Moses is old enough to be pretty much retired, God finally calls him and sends him back. You know, he sees the burning bush and God speaks to him and he has a revelation of who God is. So just a curiosity question. After he split the sea and they're in the wilderness, right. how long from there until he died? 40 years. So, he, so technically he was in the wilderness for 80 years. Yeah, exactly right. Never thought of it that way. Yep, he was in the wilderness in Midian, and then he's in the wilderness with the Egyptians. And, I mean, with the Israelites for, 40, for another 40 years. Okay? So, 40 years uh, living it up as a Pharaoh's son, and then 40 years, you know, kicking sheep around, and then 40 years kicking Israelites around um, in the wilderness. 40 years wandering in the wilderness with them. Um, and it took him 40 years to go what should have been a two-week travel, right? So, um, so that's, what, that's what Moses' life looks like. Um, but he was faithful, and he was faithful to bring the word of God. God used him to give the law to the Jews. And he went up and got the Ten Commandments and all the other laws, which Nancy's been reading, Leviticus, and, you know, it's really complicated. But all these specifics here, do this, do that, and all these kind of things. All right? But before Moses, is, Moses died, he tells in the midst of all this law that there's going to be another prophet like me. God will raise up, and you should listen to him. So Stephen is going to tell this whole story, and he's going to say, the other prophet is Jesus. So now who's, who's the next big player in the story? Aaron? Oh, not that story. As we're going further. So this is all Moses' story that we're looking at here. Okay. So this is what Stephen is saying about Moses. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from all your brethren. Him you shall hear. 
This is he who in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what came of him. And so they make a calf, right? So this is, this is, the, this is your story, Jews, okay? When Moses came and gave you the law, you're busy worshiping a calf. And um, and here's what the prophets said about that. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? No, you basically worshiped idols. That's what the rest of this says. So he goes on talking about this tabernacle and Solomon, right? But here's where the next transition is. Until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But Solomon, Solomon built him a house. Now remember the, 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 the first thing was about Moses and the rule of Moses, and the second one was, oh yeah, and you wanted to destroy this house, this temple. You want to destroy the temple. You want to disturb, you want to affect the temple. Okay, and so what he's saying is, listen, Moses said that a prophet's going to come and you should obey him. And the implication is that's Jesus. And just like your fathers, you're stiff-necked. And then God called David, and David wanted to build a house on earth. Okay? And that's this temple. And Stephen says, uh, quotes this. But the prophets say, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? So this temple is a thing on earth, but the real temple is in heaven. And can you imagine, here is, this is our temple, and these are the Jews that, that run it. These are the priests and everything else. And Stephen says to them, yeah, but really the temple is in heaven. This is just a copy. Oh, that's a major insult to them. So he's not saying that God's going to, you know, that um, we're going to change this temple or anything because they've still been coming there and worshiping. What he's saying is, the real temple's in heaven. The real Moses is in heaven. So now, uh, here he is. He's kind of come to his point, and they're wondering, did he answer it? And, and here's how he finishes his argument. Does somebody want to read that for us? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold 
the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. And so how did they react to that? No. I would say anger. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about gnashing their teeth. Yeah. It was uh, almost uncontrollable, or it was uncontrollable rage. And uh, it was the same rage that killed Christ. Uh, but it came, you know, uh, in a in a fit, right? They didn't have a real trial. They just asked them some questions, and then they just was 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 at it, and um, and they broke the law because they were not they didn't really they weren't really supposed to be killing people. They were supposed to take them to Pilate, and he would do that. They didn't have the right for capital punishment, but they didn't wait around. So they killed Stephen in the same way that they killed Jesus. Well, they didn't kill Jesus. They they killed Jesus by giving him to Pilate, and 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 so Pilate had his hands on it. Okay. How, how much was there? Because in Leviticus, it talks about all the reasons that you can kill somebody, stone somebody, or whatever. And blasphemy was stone him. Right. And uh, so, how much are the leaders required? to just handle their law versus take it to Pilate. Don't know. Because their law says stone them. Right, but they're not, they are, they are not free, right? They are But they a, didn't get punished for it, did they? No, they didn't. That we know, right? I mean, and I, I think that probably, um, you know, the authorities, Pilate, might not even noticed it. Well, wouldn't, wouldn't their version of blaspheming be disagreeing with them in some way? And then they just flip around and say, well, this person blasphemed me because they disagreed with me? Well, um, Stephen hit some hot buttons. So, and here's the thing, that the, the message of Christ is not a wishy-washy message. It, it does not, it is not compatible with the status quo of the world. And it's not compatible with the status quo of the Jews, right? Because Christ is, um, he's righteous or if Steve calls him the just one, okay? And therefore, he speaks the truth. And the truth is that there and we are rebellious and wrong. We, we've done our own thing. And our lives are offensive to God. And the Jews, they tout that they're righteous because they've been given the law. They're these special people. They've been given the temple. We're God's custodians of the truth. 
Okay? And what he's saying is, well, if you read your own law, you will find out that you, okay, worship idols. And you kill the prophets. And you've killed Christ, the prophet, the just one. And so they go like this. Can't hear it anymore. Won't hear it. <coughs> That's it. You're out of here. They drag him out, and they stone him. And, and who is present for all of this? Saul. Saul is going to be the apostle Paul. I think it's an amazing thing. Paul mm -hmm. brought that up. More study, one study back. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It captured my character. Yeah. God plans it all. Mm -hmm. He's got it in control. He knows where you're going. Just following. <laughs> right. So, so um, the Apostle Paul is a, for. He's a problem for those who are trying to deny Christianity because uh, he, was in, he was on the inside and he converted. He was of those who were killing Christians and something caught him and turned him upside down. And uh, the only reason for Paul to do what Paul did was because he saw the Lord. Yeah. No other reason. For, for what, what Paul, and you know, Paul's story is just going to continue and build, and the book of Acts is going to eventually be, in one sense, the story of Paul's ministry. But we're, you know, kind of leading up there. Everything is progressing. God is revealing more and more. So, the Jews didn't necessarily have a problem with God, they just had a problem with Christ. Being the son of <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I'm just yeah, trying to... Right. The <coughs> Jews had a problem with saying that Jesus was God's son which makes Jesus God, right? If you're God and you have a son, you have God, right? You're, you're um, you know, the, you, you, your children are your same as you. So, you know, animals, dogs have dogs, people have people, and God's son is God the son. And he is the Messiah. He is the one promised. He is the high priest. He's the whole thing. And um, I mean, it just fathoms my mind that even though they were foretold this by Moses through the thing, that they couldn't grasp that Jesus was the Son of God. They were, they just flipped it because of, I guess when he talks about the um, destroying the temple and destroying the, the, the way that they are living yep. and then rebuilding, it, it just, I think that's where it, they may have been tripped up at. 
because they were looking at it in a natural sense versus exactly, a right. spiritual sense. Yep. Where Jesus was looking at it from a spiritual sense first, and then he'll do it from a physical sense. Like he'll, he'll, he'll look at the heart, and then once the heart is turned, the heart will do the physical outpouring. Like a like a like a um, thing of water in in a jar. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so God works inside out, right? And um, that was a big thing that one of the big of, of Jesus's criticisms was: you guys clean the outside, but inside you're dead man's bones, right? God works on the inside. And then you can clean up the outside. It's a heart thing, right? And so that's just, that takes us to this story, and it sets off a persecution, which is what we'll talk about next week. So the last thing we want to is, what do you think about how Stephen died? Unbelievable that he said, Do not charge them with this sin. And that's just Sounds amazing. Sounds a lot uh, similar to the Lord on the cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Stephen looks up and he says, I see Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. And uh, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You know, and then, so he's basically having a vision right in front of him. His face is the face of an angel. He's seeing Christ, and they're holding their ears, and it's like, that's it. He's a nutcase. And they take him out, and they stone him. And while they're stoning him, he's forgiving them. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So why don't we, uh, if there are a few people that would pray for this time. Lord, let us uh have supernatural encounters with you. Uh, we believe this was the first supernatural encounter that Saul had preparing him for his next one, Lord. Let us seek you until we have those supernatural encounters with you that change our lives forever. So we can't go back to the old way, Lord. So we receive the new covenant way that we have available to us, Lord. And let us, our hearts be open for these supernatural encounters with you, Lord. 
Lord, it is, it's good um, to uh, hear uh, stories like this about uh, a man that um, is so inspired um, by your spirit um, <clears throat> that uh, has the courage to go before the authorities and um, speak plainly um, where, in truth. And uh, I, I pray for the, that same uh, uh, indwelling spirit to have that effect on all of us, all of us in this room. Um, clearly there was a miraculous work done in Stephen. And, uh, and it came out in, uh, in, in, these, in these events. And even though he had that, that, um, that he was righteous and, and indignant, um, Lord, in, in the historical account, uh, Lord, in the end, um, he displayed uh, uh, the, the life of the Lord in him, even in death. And uh, I, I'm not sure that we can all make that same claim, but Lord, in you, um, you are uh, the power and the enabler, and we, uh, we just open ourselves at just like a, our brother prayed that um, to um, to seek out those um, uh, those uh, events with you, those things where you reveal yourself. How we would love to see the heavens open and see you at the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. uh, we just, um, Lord, what a wonderful story, and we pray that uh, the precepts um, that this teaches would be um, uh, would be driven into our heart, Lord, that it might be a truth that. Um, we can peek into every now and again. Bless your name, O oh Lord. Thank you for this time together. Mm.